الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المرسوم رحمة للعالمين محمد بن عبد الله وآله وصحبه أجمعين We proceed We are going to start by the permission of Allah in the explanation of the tremendous book titled Lum'at al-Atiqad Sufficient in the Creed Al-Hadi ila Sabeel al-Rashad, the guider to the path of goodness that was authored and written by Mu'afakuddin Abdullah al-Muhammad ibn Qudama al Naqlisi may Allah have mercy upon him. And this particular treatise was deemed of such high quality by the people of knowledge that they have praised it both in the old and the new. And it is sufficient testimony to its greatness and the tremendousness of its benefit that Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Usaymin rahimahullah ta'ala decided to explain it. In fact, it is mentioned in his uh, explanation that it was decided <coughs> by the Riyasa of Ma'ahid al-Niyya, the administration of the uh, Knowledge Academy in Saudi Arabia, it was decided that this would be the beginner level course for the high school in the first year of high school for the issue or the topic of Aqidah. So this was actually going to be studied in the curriculum in Saudi Arabia. So that is also further testimony to the importance of this book. And this is actually the written of Sheikh Al-Rahman decided to explain it. And um, Likewise, from those who have explained it, the Sheikh Saleh ibn Fawzan and Fawzan, may Allah preserve him, and the Sheikh Saleh ibn Abdul Aziz, that Sheikh, may Allah preserve him. And likewise, there are explanations that other people of knowledge. I recall that Sheikh Abdul the son of the Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al explained it, and the Sheikh Zayd ibn Muhammad al Madkhali, may Allah have mercy upon him, explained it. When you see so many explanations by the people of knowledge, this is testimony, a book value, an indication of its importance, and that the people of knowledge have gone through it and seen that this is a book worthy of being spread and worthy of being explained and given attention because it can serve as a foundation for the seeker of knowledge. The explanation that we want to rely on by the permission of Allah Taala uh, in this uh, series of ours is the explanation of the Shia in However, we will try our best to bring some of the gems and the nuggets found in the other explanation by some of the Shaykhs that we have mentioned or other than So, to begin by the praise of Allah as well as taking his aid his direction, let us start with mentioning a little biographical info about the author. He is a Shaykh al Imam of Qudwa al Mujtahid, Shaykh al Islam, Muwaffaq al Abu Muhammad 
عبد الله بن أحمد ابن محمد بن قدامة ابن مخدام ابن مفر المقلكي الجماعي ابن مشكين الطالحي الحمد عبد الله ابن أحمد ابن محمد ابن قدامة ابن مقدام ابن مفر And his title is Muwafaquddin. And this is why for short he is sometimes called Al-Muwafaq. He is from the Maqadisa in reference to Al-Quds. And he is a Jamma'ili in reference to where he was born. He was born in Jamma'is from the areas surrounding Nablus. And he is titled here, as you can see, with several titles of Shaykh, Al-Imam, the role model, Al-Mujtahid, and Shaykh Al-Islam. Shaykh Al-Islam is an extremely big title that is not granted to just any scholar or anyone of immense knowledge. Rather, it is for those who have reached to that caliber where they have become a role model for the people of their era. And indeed, the Shaykh that we're talking about today has reached that caliber. And the Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, Ibn Qayyim al-Zawzi, rahimahullah ta'ala, testified to that and called him Shaykh al-Islam. He was born in Jamma'il in the year 40, uh, 541 to the Hijrah. He was born in the month of Sha'ban. And his family moved and took him along to Damascus. They made Hijrah, they migrated to Damascus. And he was 10 years old at the time. So he memorized the Quran and he memorized Mukhtasar al-Khiraqi. He summarized al-Khiraqi. This is a book of jurisprudence and fiqh according to the Hanbali Madhab, the Madhab of Hanabila. And he started learning the sciences and the different disciplines on the Mashaykh and Damascus at the time. And then in the year 561, meaning when he was 20, He traveled to Baghdad for the seeking of knowledge. And he stayed there four years, in which it is mentioned that he mastered fiqh, jurisprudence, mastered hadith, the sciences of narrations and the narrations of the Prophet, and khilaf, the differing amongst the people of knowledge and the different approaches in the text. And then he returned to Damascus. And then he traveled again to Baghdad, and he stayed there in a year upon which he, or within which he read upon many of the people of knowledge, and then he returned to Damascus. And then in the year 73, he made the Hajj. And he took that opportunity to learn from the Mashaykh of Mecca. And then finally settled down in Damascus and busied himself with authoring and teaching. The people of knowledge have a very sound opinion of Muwafaq, Al-Muwafaq, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. Al-Hafiz, Diyah al-Din al-Maqdisi, Rahimahullahi Ta'ala, he said that regarding Al-Muwafaq, he said that Al-Muwafaq was an Imam in the Qur'an and its interpretation. And he was an Imam in the Hadith. Al-Hafiz, Diyah al-Din, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, he said about Al-Muwafaq, he said that Al-Muwafaq was an Imam. He was one to be followed and one from which knowledge can be taught regarding the matter of Al-Qur'an and its exegesis, its interpretation. He was likewise an imam in 
the prophetic narration and the different uh, narrations and versions of it, and specifically those troublesome matters can be confusing in its sciences or its narration. He was an imam in shiqh, in jurisprudence. Rather, he was awhadu zamanihi fihi. When it comes to jurisprudence, he said about him, awhadu zamanihi fihi. He was singular in his era regarding jurisprudence, meaning there was no one of like caliber and status in the fiqh. He was likewise an imam in the knowledge of al-khilaf, the differing of the people of knowledge. He was an imam in the fa'ib, the knowledge of the inheritance. He was an imam in the principles and foundations of fiqh. And he was an imam in nahu, the grammarian of the highest caliber. He was an imam in hisab, mathematics as well. And he was an imam in al-nujum al-manazil, the knowledge of the stars, not meaning of the horoscopes and the likes of these things that magicians and the ilk fall into rather, what is intended here. The use of stars and the the manner that is permissible in the legislation, such as for navigation at night or by sea, and such as the knowledge of uh, telling the date by looking at the stars and calculating the date using the stars and so on and so forth. That is what is allowed, that is what is being referred to here. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, قال الموفق يسد ماذا خلى الشام بعد الأوزاعي أفضل من الشيخ الموفق يسد no one has entered the area of the sham the big one after the أوزاعي they have more شق than الشيخ الموفق يعني الموفق إذن قدام شيخ الإسلام يسد ماذا خلى الشام بعد الأوزاعي أفضل من الشيخ الموفق no one is of the of equal caliber to a Muwafaq has entered the areas of the Mizan, meaning he is يعني, singular in his uh, abilities in fiqh. As-Tafadi, rahimahullah ta'ala, likewise said, كان أوحد زمانه, he was singular in his era. And al-Zahabi, rahimahullah, narrating on behalf of Abdiyah al-Naqlisi, rahimahullah, he said, I heard al-Mufti, Abu Bakr, Muhammad ibn Ma'ali, saying, I do not know anyone in our era that has reached the level of ijtihad except for muwafaq. Ijtihad, here is a reference to being deemed fit and qualified to issue rulings even when we don't have textual evidences that directly fit into those issues you're issuing, um, that you are passing verdict on. Such that you have encompassed so much of the knowledge of the legislation and you have mastered its principles, mastered its foundation, mastered all the necessary branches of knowledge that allow you to gain understanding in in-depth understanding of the sciences of the Sharia to where you can issue verdicts when verdicts are needed even in the absence of a specific text dealing with the matter. This is called ijtihad. And this is not something that uh, any scholar can do. This is not something that any scholar is qualified for. And not something that any scholar should venture into. Rather, this is a very unique status in knowledge that very few people of knowledge have reached 
So Adliya al-Maqdisi is narrating on behalf of Muhammad ibn Ma'ali that he said, I do not know anyone in our era who has reached that rank and that level except for Al-Mashah. Ibn Rajab al-Hamdani, rahimahullah ta'ala, speaking about Al-Mashah, he said, and it was not of his methodology to debate with the philosophers regarding the finite, the, the, the finer and the subtler point of the philosophical argument. Meaning, he was a Salafi. He used to be upon the path of the Salaf, and he would not delve into these matters of philosophy and logic and reason, these so-called yani, disciplines of the mind. Despite the fact that he was of the highest caliber of intelligence and understanding, he would refrain from that. Simply due to his piety and fear of Allah Azza wa knowing that this is not from the path of those who preceded in piety. He said, and he was extremely keen, it was very frequent that he would be in following of that which is narrated, whether it is in the fundamentals of the religion or in the applicable matters of it. And he was not of the opinion that one should utter statements that have not been narrated, that have not been mentioned in the Quran or the Sunnah. And he used to command the people with iqrar and imra to whatever has been narrated in the book and the Sunnah of the attributes, meaning of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iqrar is to accept those attributes of Allah. Imrar is to let them Go as is, meaning as you understand them according to the Arabic language, this is how you should embrace them, adhere to them, and believe in them. And this is contrary to two types of treatment found amongst the innovators, where they would either reject their text completely, or they would accept them with the condition that they must be reinterpreted according to their understanding, to their desire, to their particular take on things, irrespective of what the Arabic language indicates. And both of these attempts are deviancy. And so, he's saying, Al-Wafaq rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, used to command these deviancies not be fallen into a land of the people practice iqrar and imrah. We shall see more of this, inshallah, as we progress on into the book. He said, <coughs> whatever is narrated in the book, in the sunnah of the attribute meaning of Allah, Without tafsir, without explanation. Here, the word tafsir does not mean without explanation, meaning we do not even ask about the Arabic meanings of these words. Contrary to this, this is actually desirable knowledge. You want to understand every word found in the Quran, every word found in the Sunnah. This type of interpretation, explanation is actually desirable. This is fun and the seeking of knowledge, part and parcel of seeking knowledge. However, the interpretation that we are talking about here that which he used to forbid, rahimahullah ta'ala, is what we today call misinterpretation. Misconstruing the meaning and taking things out of context. This is the type of fear that is being referred to here. What are takif? And likewise, he used to forbid takif. Takif is to add on description or attributes or uh, sub-attributes to that which is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah without having proof for that besides the applying one's mind. This is a repugnant practice found amongst the, the deviant and the innovative that Al-Wafaq ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala is to forbid. Likewise, he is to forbid 
الفرق ولا تمثيل ولا تحريف ولا تأويل ولا تعطيل. يستبد التمثيل والتحريف والتأويل والتعطيل. إن شاء الله we will touch upon all of these terms and explain them as we progress on into the book. Tibbi bin Zawji rahimahullah ta'ala, he said regarding al-Muffaq, he was an imam in all the disciplines. And no one in his era, no one in his time after his brother Abu Amr and al-Imad had more fear of Allah and more abstinence from the matters of the dunya than him. And surely he was one that had turned away from the dunya matters of his people. He was easygoing, he was soft and gentle. He was humble and loving to the poor and the needy. He was kind in his manners and he was generous and very giving. Al-Wafaq rahimahullah ta'ala learned from many of the people of marriage in the greatest names of the era. And from among those who he studied under is his father Ahmad ibn Muhammad ibn Qudam of Nabdisi. Likewise, he studied with Yahya uh, al-Din Abu Muhammad Abdul Qadir al-Jili, the Sheikh of Baghdad, rahimahullah ta'ala. He studied with him the summarized al-Khirati. Likewise, he studied with the, the great Admanisha Jamal al-Din Abu Faraj ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah ta'ala, the very famous imam who wrote Zad al-Masir and wrote Tanbih to Iblis, The Deception of the Devil, and many, many famous books. And he studied with Abu, Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Ahmad ibn Khashab, the Imam of the Arabic sciences and grammar. And he studied with others in them from the great scholars of that era. And as for his students, he left behind a great deal of knowledge and many, many of the greatest scholars of that time studied with him. From among those who became famous from his students is Ibn Nukta and Ibn Khalid, Abiyya al-Naqdisi, Abu Shama, and Abu Musa ibn Hafiz al-Jamal, and Ibn al-Najjar, and Ibn al-Tayrafi, and Ibn Abdi al-Ba'in, and Imad ibn Badran, and many of them, uh, of the people of knowledge, beside them. As for that which he left behind the knowledge, Ibn Qudam rahimahullah ta'ala, he left behind the fortune of knowledge. He left enough knowledge to fill vault. And he authored and wrote in many of the disciplines of Islam. He wrote, for example, in the matters of the creed, um, <coughs> this book that we are discussing today, which is the Al-Tiqat. And he wrote Al-Wuhan regarding the issue of the Qur'an. And he wrote regarding the matter of Allah's loftiness and elevation above his creation. And he wrote regarding the dispraise of the interpretation. Again, this is the type of interpretation that we have just briefly spoken about uh, a little while ago, meaning the misinterpretation of text. And he wrote about the matter of the decree, the destiny, he wrote about the virtues of the companions of Rasulullah and other books all in Aqeedah. And he uh, likewise authored in, in the Fiqh some of the most famous of his books were written in the masses of Fiqh such as Al-Kafi and Al-Muqni' and the most famous of them is Al-Muqni' a tremendous encyclopedia of jurisprudence that is today being published in 
name in volumes exceeding 20, a very voluminous book that pretty much covers the, the fiqh of Islam. And, um, and many of the people of knowledge have praised that book with some extreme words of praise, such that some of the people of knowledge have said that I did not find it comfortable to issue verdicts and to answer the questions of the people asking questions until I had obtained a copy of Al-Mughni. In fact, this was said by people who were of the same caliber as Al-Mughni al-Qudama Ta'ala. It is mentioned that some of the people of knowledge have said that they have not seen amongst the books of Islam anything of this caliber, with the exception of Al-Muhalla, the Ibn Hazm, and the Lughni, the Al-Mu'afaq, Ibn Qudama. Um, he wrote, likewise, in the matter of the fundamentals of Fiqh, its principles, and other disciplines, as well. Uh, and was described with many descriptions showing his character. He was extremely gentle, may Allah have mercy upon him. Such that it was narrated that sometimes children would fight in his presence and they would get loud and rambunctious and he would not say anything to them, he would not bother them whatsoever. It is mentioned that some people came to him complaining about some of his younger students who were still children and how they were not acting appropriately, they were not acting like students of knowledge, but rather acting according to their ages. So Muslims responded to them, they are children, and they have to have leeway. Um, it is mentioned about his manners, rahimahullah ta'ala, that he never ever hurt the students, he never ever hurt the feelings of a student of knowledge. And it is mentioned that he was also a man of great piety. And as such, the people have seen and noticed that Allah has bestowed upon him tremendous virtue. One of his students mentioned that it had become an issue for me, what the people were saying about the Hanabi, the followers of the Hanbali Madhab, regarding specifically the matter of Tashbih, anthropomorphism, attributing the, the attributes of creation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the Sufis and, and the people of deviation and ignorance were, were falsely accusing the Hanabi of falling into anthropomorphism. He said, so, for many months, I wanted to ask Sheikh Al-Muwafaq about this matter. He said, so one time, as we were walking to the mountain of Qasriyun, this is where Sheikh Al-Muwafaq was staying, even he was walking home with the Sheikh. He said, yes, indeed. Oh, Master, he addressed him very respectfully. This was the customary address uh, from the people knowledge to their teachers at the time, he said, Oh Master. He said so Sheikh al Mafak instantaneously responded and he said anthropomorphism is an impossibility. 
So he's basically saying that a Shaykh in Rafaq was so insightful. Allah had granted him such vision and insight of heart. that as soon as I opened my mouth and I just said, Oh Master, before I even finished my question, and Rafaq had already known what I was going to ask about and answered, this is surely a gift from Allah, Taala. no one else can bestow this besides him. So this is an example of uh, of that which Allah has bestowed upon him, Rafaq ibn Qudama, rahimahullah ta'ala. And he then asked him, why is it an impossibility? He said, because the man can something to another, you have to have seen it. Who is it that saw Allah and then described him and likened him to us? So he basically referred him to that which is known. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was never seen by anyone. And then they came back and narrated, oh, this is how Allah looks like. Well, then how can you liken him to the creation if you have seen him? So this was a rejection by Al-Mu'afraq ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala to the whole concept behind anthropomorphism and likening Allah to the creation. May Allah have mercy upon us. Likewise, <coughs> from the matters that were uh, mentioned about him, rahimahullah ta'ala, is that on the night he died, a great light of sin by outsiders looking at the city of Damascus. And this was the very uh, end of Ramadan. In fact, it was the month of the Eid. It was the month of the Eid. The great light was seen in Damascus at night. So the people in the surrounding areas thought that a fire had gone ablaze in Damascus. And then the news came that Al-Mursat ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala died, had passed away that night. And he was buried in the next day in uh, the graveyard of the Salihiyya. And um, his janazah on the day of Eid was truly humongous in its proportion. It was attended by masses upon masses of people. And this is a, a, a reminder of the statement of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala where he said to the people of the nation, tell them between us and you the Yawm al-Jana'im, the day of the funeral. Meaning this is the mark and test of who amongst us was truly upon the religion of Islam, who amongst us was truly upon the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu And it indeed has played out exactly as Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala said back then and continues to play out in such a fashion until today that the people of innovation, their funerals are not attended by many, are not uh, celebrated or not uh, yani, attended by large masses and people don't show care and love for them when they most need it and they're about to enter their grave versus the people of the Sunnah regardless of what hardship they had experienced in their lives and what difficulties they um, <coughs> experienced while they uh, were being tested through various tests in this life on the day of the funeral. Uh, the people show their true love for them by coming out and training and attending their janazah and funeral and so on. And, uh, and the particular place he was buried, some of the people of knowledge mentioned, was called the Rawa, called the Garden. And the reason for this is because the visions were seen after the burial of Al-Mursat ibn Qudam rahimahullah ta'ala 
and some of the people who had passed away, they were seen in visions and sleep, and they were happy and joyous. And they said, we were being tortured. We were being tortured. And Tim and Masha, Ibn Qudama was buried amongst us. And then, we were no longer tortured, and we were in gardens, meaning gardens of paradise. And this is the reason it was then called the garden of uh, where he was buried. Rahimahullah ta'ala, rahmatan wasi'a. Some of the people of knowledge, of knowledge mentioned that if you have seen Al-Mu'afat, you would benefit from seeing him before you benefit from his speech. Some of the people of knowledge said, if you wanted to see a man that would remind you of the companions of Rasulullah, you would look at Al-Mu'afat ibn Qudama, or word along those lines. He died, may Allah have mercy upon him, in the year 620. And uh, we ask Allah to have mercy upon him and to gather him with the Prophet Muhammad with his companions in paradise and to gather us along with them in Jannah. Ameen. As for the, <coughs> the interpreter, Sharih, uh, the explainer of his book, then he is Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Salih Ibn Muhammad Ibn Uthaymin Al-Wahaydi Al-Tamini Rahimahullah Ta'ala Abu Abdullah Al-Qiyam The Sheikh is well known and truly a flag bearer of the Sunnah in this modern era. However, and just to, to do due diligence for this class and this period, I want to mention a few things about the Sheikh, not يعني, going to a great deal of, of the his biography. So, some of the things we want to mention is that he was born in Ramadan, on the 27th of Ramadan in the year 1347 to the Hijrah. He was born in Umayyah, in the area of Al-Qasim, uh, in Najd of Saudi Arabia. He studied the Quran early, memorized it, and then he focused on the seeking of knowledge. He learned handwriting and mathematics and some of the masters of the mannerism of the seeker of knowledge. And he was a student of a Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'd, the great Imam of Tafsir, the great Imam of knowledge in the area of Najd of Saudi Arabia. And this is a tremendous uh, reason for success to have such a great Imam as your primary teacher. He was the primary teacher and the first teacher of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala. The man that is considered the second Sheikh is Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Raz rahimahullah ta'ala. This is considered his second Sheikh. And he studied with him as well after having attained a great deal of knowledge at the hands of Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'di. And likewise he studied with Muhammad Muhammad al-Amin al-Shinqiti Rahimahullah ta'ala. These three are from the most famous of his teachers. Al-Shankhiti, the, the explainer of the Quran, the author of Adwa'ul Bayan, uh, that tremendous book of Tafsir, the lack of which has never been written before uh, it was presented. Al-Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen, 
started teaching very early on in his years. He was in his 20s when he was uh, first uh, available to teach. And he sat down in the masjid, the public, to teach. Well, he was in his mid-twenties. And when he, uh, and when the, um, the scholarly academies were opened in, in Riyadh, he joined, and after two years he graduated and was immediately, uh, hired as a teacher in the Al-Naza Academy. The Al-Naza Scholarly Academy. And he continued likewise his speaking of knowledge with the Shaykh al-Rahman ibn Nasr al-Sa'di rahimahullah. And after Shaykh al-Sa'di passed away, Shaykh al-Uthameen took over the imam position of the large masjid in Uneza. So he took over the large masjid in Uneza, and that's a tremendous responsibility. In addition to teaching in the Uneza National Library, in addition to his responsibility of teaching at the scholarly academy, and then he moved to... Uh, to the Jami'at uh, al-Imam Muhammad ibn Sa'ud in Al-Qasim where he started teaching in the Sharia College and Usul al-Din College uh, in addition to uh, being uh, appointed to the Council of Major Scholars of Saudi Arabia and Sheikh al-Mu'tameen continued administering these responsibilities with great vigor and zeal and piety in such a beautiful fashion that he was uh, lauded and applauded by the people of knowledge, by the common, the common folk, and by the government, and his status was recognized by all. He had a tremendous effect on the da'wah in Saudi Arabia and outside of it internationally, and he had a very famous radio show called Nurun al Darb, where the Sheikh would answer the people's questions and address their concerns and their need and teach of that which benefits them. He had a, a yearly class in the Masjid al-Haram in Mecca uh, during Ramadan where he would sit down and teach the people in the Haram. Uh, this along with his many, many responsibilities and the fact that he was in charge of the students of knowledge, taking care of them, meeting their needs, even standing on them from whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows upon him. And all of this was a great deal of turning away from the dunya and being disinterested in it, uh, its ornament and its uh, excess. And he continued, rahimahullah ta'ala, living in a mud house with any uh, mud bricks and did not move into the fancier new types of homes that were built in those areas. Despite his financial means and ability to do so, the Sheikh preferred to abstain from the matters of the dunya and to focus and that which brings him closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah to have mercy upon him. The Shaykh has offered a library of knowledge and left behind tomes upon tomes of beneficial knowledge. The Shaykh pretty much touched upon every discipline from the disciplines of knowledge in Islam. The Shaykh taught in the matters of language, the matters of grammar, eloquence. He taught in the matters of conjugation. He likewise taught in the Surah al Sikh, the principles of Sikh, the principles of the exegesis of the Quran. He taught in the principles of Hadith. He taught, he taught in the interpretation of the Quran itself. Volumes upon volumes of books and works have been published uh, based upon what the Shaykh had taught, Ta'ala. 
with a tremendous focus and emphasis on the matters of Aqidah, the creed. Such that he actually authored books, original works, in the matters of Aqidah, such as the Qawaid and Bufla, or in the names of Allah, sorry, in the attributes of Allah and His most beautiful names, and um, <coughs> other than that, from the books, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of that from the shaykh. We ask Allah to have mercy upon him and to uh, never let the Ummah go through an error with the laxes and the laxes. We ask Allah to make us from those who benefit from the knowledge that he has left behind and uh, from those who follow in righteousness in uh, his footsteps. And uh, let's conclude uh, talking about Sheikh Ibrahim's biography of his book and then start talking about the book itself. Now, the, the title of the book is interpreted by the people of knowledge in two ways. Lum'a, is from Lum'a'an, from twinkling, shining, or glittering. In other words, it's a reference to light. Such that they are saying <coughs> what is intended by the word Lum'a is that it is a bright and shining object that is glittering, meaning a knowledge and guidance. In other words, it is a dispeller of the darknesses and the gloom of the ignorance of the disbelievers and the ignorance and misconceptions and doubt of the people of innovation. And this is true. This is actually true about this book that is indeed a reason for the stadium and the rectification of the creed of one who adheres to the knowledge from the Others from the people of knowledge have said rather what is intended from the word Lum'a is Al-Bulha in Al-Aish or Zad. That is just barely sufficient for one survivor uh, of provision and um, the, the worldly amenity. And this is also, in a sense, true about this work, uh, of this work, that it is not considered an in-depth work of Aqidah. It is not considered one of the, the advanced books of Aqidah. Rather, it is sufficient. It is sufficient to take the beginner from ignorance to awareness of what it is that he should believe regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his lofty attribute, his beautiful name, regarding the final day, regarding the angels, regarding the book, the prophet, regarding the matter of destiny, regarding the companions of the Messenger of Allah and their rights, regarding the different deviations that have um, cropped up their heads and have shown themselves in the different eras of Islam leading up to the time of Al-Mufaq and how it is that a Muslim should uh, reject them based upon the proofs from the Quran and the Sunnah. So both meanings actually relate to the content of the book. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that can be mentioned about this type of book is that this is a general book of creed. A general book of creed versus, for example, something like Kitab al-Tawheed. They have a specific emphasis on a specific area within the matters of the creed, which is mainly Tawheed al-Ibadah, or Tawheed al-Ilahiyah, or al-Ilohiyah. Different words all referring to the same discipline, which is the Tawheed, the monotheism of the acts of the slaves, that which is their duty towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the actions and devotion of all the acts of worship for Allah alone without partners. That, Kitab al and other books written in the same um, uh, line, 
they are booked as specific for an area within the creed. Unlike this book here, Lulatul Al-Tiqad, which is actually a general book of creed that touches upon so many areas of the creed and approaches and covers uh, a variety of the topics of the creed. This is a general book of creed versus a specialized book of creed. And this is both good uh, for giving the Muslim an overview of what it is that he needs to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon of belief. And likewise, it is good because uh, it allows the Muslim to gain an understanding of the variety of the topics of aqeedah at hand before he specializes and gains an in-depth understanding of any of those particular areas of the creed. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, can also be said as regards this particular book is that although it is a general book of creed, the Sheikh does have a meaning and emphasis on the matters relating to the names of Allah and His attributes, where the Sheikh Al-Mufat Rahmatullahi Alayhi gave particular attention to matters surrounding the names of Allah and His attributes, and this is because in his era, deviance regarding those particular issues was rampant. And the deviance had uh, a lot of say and a lot of influence on some the people of Islam, such that the true nature of what a Muslim should believe regarding the names of Allah and His attributes had become confused and had become clouded by the abundance of their propaganda, their misinterpretation and their form claiming as regards the creed. And so, Al-Mufaq, as every responsible scholar would do, he tackled those matters and he turned them head on by clarifying the Sunnah. May Allah have mercy upon the Shaykh and accept that from him. And so you will see in this book that it does have that meaning, it does have that flavor to it where it can it concentrate upon the explanation of the deeds of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as pertains to his lofty names he lost the attributes and his most beautiful name, Jannah uh, Wa'ala. And, um, and this is why, and this is going to be the final point we mentioned tonight by the creation of Allah, this is why you see Shaykh al-Rafi'in, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, giving a foreword for this book, or an introduction for this book, if I may, that contains principles, every thing of knowledge, should use to govern his understanding and guide his understanding of the rights of Allah as regards his names and his attributes. These principles are really just a synopsis or a glimpse into what is contained in the book that we had alluded to earlier, which is al Some of, of the work that is found in al al Musla is actually summarizing these two principles that Sheikh al-Uthaymin began his book with. And those principles are so important because they will help the Muslim understand exactly what it is that Shaykh Al-Mu'afat was saying uh, in his book as he went into those uh, particular aspects relating to uh, the deviance of the people of innovation as regards the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his attributes. Inshallah, uh, we will begin the next class by referring to some of the debate regarding uh, some of the, the trickier wording found in Lula, because some of the people of knowledge had criticism regarding some of the 
the word choices of a Mosafir in Kodano, and this is, this is human. There is no human work that is completely free of flaw and completely um, immune to criticism or modification. Rather, this is the norm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Imam al-Shafi'i is narrated to have said, refused to let any book reach perfection besides his book, Jalla wa'ala. So every book is going to have these kinds of, of points where the people of knowledge criticize certain aspects of it or wish to modify its wording or say if only the Sheikh had said this instead of that and so on and so forth. So we're going to begin the next session by the permission of Allah touching upon some of those points where uh, the Lula, the sufficiency in claim was criticized and we're going to talk about you know, the, the positions of the people of knowledge regarding those uh, particular aspects and then we will proceed by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the introduction and the forward of a Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen containing the principles regarding the names of Allah and his attributes. We ask Allah to aid us in that and guide us uh, from it to that which is most pleasing to him. We ask him to accept from us the new and to always gather us upon good and to keep us upon good until we meet him and to cause us to die upon it. والله أعلم صلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين جزاكم الله خيرا جميعا ووفقنا الله وإياكم لكل خير